Let's see what's under the hood of today's guest. I would say the most important trait is empathy. Maybe someone is very good at public speaking, or maybe someone is very good at building developer tools or writing technical content. But if you don't have empathy, this is not the right role for you, I believe. Welcome to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, the podcast devoted to developer marketing, relations, evangelism, and advocacy. I'm Stathis Yorgakopoulos, and I'm your host. In each episode, I welcome a guest from the developer marketing world. We talk about best practices, challenges, lessons learned, and share insights, data, and experiences to help you boost your devrel game, talk to, and engage with developers. This podcast is brought to you by Slash Data, the leading analyst of the developer economy, and devrelx.com, a hub devoted to providing resources for developer marketing professionals, including developer ecosystem trends, news and job openings, webinars, a book, and a bi-weekly digest you can subscribe to. Access them all at devrelx.com. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Under the Hood of Developer Marketing Season 3. If you have been listening to our episodes, you know we live and breathe data and, of course, enjoy sharing it with the world. If you like data and insights as well, good news. The 20th edition of State of the Developer Nation is now available. What do 19,000 developers from 155 countries have to say about how COVID affected them, their language preferences, machine learning, how they affect buying decisions? You can go to slashdata.co and you'll find the answers under free resources. Now, let's welcome our guest, Anna Tsulaku, who is a developer advocate at Amadeus. Anna, welcome to the show. Hi, Stasi. Thank you very much for having me today. Uh, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? As a child, I wanted to be a martial arts teacher. Actually, since I was uh, very young, I was doing martial arts. I was doing karate for many years. Then I did hapkido. I've tried also a bit of boxing, kickboxing. And uh, I used to admire a lot my teachers. So since I was a child, I actually wanted to be one of them. So yeah, this is the one one of the things actually, because as, as children, I think we have a lot of ideas <laughs> and different things that we want to be when we grow up. Yeah, a lot of ideas, some of them crazy. Yes. Uh, surprisingly, exactly. no one wanted to become a developer relations or developer advocate <laughs> when they were a kid. I, I don't know what, what the, why this is the case. Maybe future kids will do. Yeah, maybe uh, future but, kids, yeah. yes. Martial arts, it's uh, a wow for me. Uh, <laughs> did uh, the Karate Kid movie have anything to do with it? <laughs> uh, maybe, because there are some like scenes and things that even unconsciously stayed uh, in my mind, like inside me. So maybe it could have uh, affected me. Yeah, but I was yeah, yeah. very young when I first, I watched the first movie. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but martial arts is, uh, is super cool. So mm-hmm. won't, you, won't you tell us about a bit more about yourself? How did you end up from uh, martial arts, let's say, to uh, your current role at Amadeus? What has been your journey? <laughs> so I studied uh, informatics and computer science at the university. And at the same time, I, w- I was still practicing uh, martial arts, to be honest. And in 2015, I found a, a job in a startup in Spain. So back then I was living in Greece and in 2015 I moved to Spain uh, for this small startup for a developer uh, relations uh, position. 
For me, it was one of the best decisions that I made in my life. And to be completely honest with you, back then I didn't know anything about uh, developer advocacy, developer relations. It was the first time that I heard about this type of role. So I worked for a couple of years in this company. Then I moved also to different types of uh, companies. I, I was involved in different different roles as well. And now here I am at Amadeus for Developers, uh, working as developer advocate. Yes, yeah, it seems like it's been a, a great journey and uh, sounds like you're doing something you like. And mm-hmm. uh, yes. we will be talking about this uh, in a bit. Uh, first, uh, what will be the first thing you want to do when it's safe to go back to life as we knew it? Um, so on a personal level, the first thing I want to do is to go back to Greece because it's been a very long time since the last time I went and I want to see my family and friends there. <laughs> and on a professional level, uh, I can't wait to go back to physical events. And I do appreciate the fact that we do have events uh, in an online format, but I miss a lot uh, physical events like going to hackathons and conferences and meet the people there face to face because it's a very different experience and it's much more fun. So I think this is the first thing that I want to do when it's safe to, to go back to life the way we knew it. Yeah, everyone misses events. I think it's uh, yes, it's yes. Uh, it's it's come up. I think it, maybe it's the only answer I've got to this question. You know, so far from the people mm-hmm. I've interviewed, and yeah, travel is uh, yes, yes, a safe number two, definitely, no yeah. doubt there. And but, the communication and the engagement with the people that you meet there is um, much stronger than the online events. So it's something I miss a lot. It is. It is. It definitely mm-hmm. is. Uh, let's hope we'll be at events uh, pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, let's talk data. Can you please pick a graph from devrelex.com slash trends and tell us what stands out to you? Why is this graph uh, important to you? Yes. Uh, So there is one graph uh, that actually I found a couple of months ago, uh, the graph that uh, describes the most important features that companies should offer to support developers that mentions documentation, tutorials, community, etc. And for me, this is uh, the graph I like the most. And also I was very excited when I found it. Uh, I immediately shared it uh, with my colleagues um, because I believe that this graph shows, um, at least for our team, that what we do uh, right now and what we have been doing the past years uh, in my team aligns a lot with the developer interest and it also helps us to know in what type of areas we should keep focusing. So I think this is um, the most important graph uh, and we do a lot of things about the uh, documentation, um, developer tools, tutorials and guides and it's really exciting to see that actually all these things that we are doing are at the top as the most important features that are described. And also I want to thank you very much, very much for all the interesting insights uh, that you provide because they're, they're very, very useful for us. Thank you for, for sharing that. And, uh, you know, from, from our part, we also like to thank our developer community who takes the time, you know, to do our survey mm-hmm. uh, twice a year, those 19,000 developers. Uh, you know, what, what we do is we try to help developers understand the world and the world understand developers. So whenever we can mm-hmm. offer this yeah. kind of data, you know, to make your uh, lives easier and also the developers, it's a good day for us. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we really appreciate it. <laughs> I guess this can either be or not be an easy question. Uh, so what is developer advocacy? This is an easy question, but might have a lot of answers. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to say my point of view and what uh, is for us actually uh, a developer advocacy. So um, there are a lot of names and, and roles uh, out there, such as um, developer advocates, um, technical writers, developer evangelists, and many more. And in my opinion, they're all very le- relevant to developer relations uh, and developer advocacy, because uh, what all, all of these roles are doing, what is the developer advocate, let's say, is doing, is um, building a bridge between uh, the technology that the company offers and the users. Uh, and the mission of developer advocacy it, is to help developers succeed. And there is a lot of diversity behind that. So um, uh, people who work as developer advocates, they might do public speaking, uh, they write technical content, um, they build demo applications, developer tools, etc. So what the developer advocate is doing externally is representing uh, the technology by building all this this developer content, supporting developers, engaging with them. Uh, And what internally a developer advocate is doing is raising the voice of the developers inside the company in order to take all the feedback and build actually a good uh, product for the developers. So I would say that developer advocacy is like a bridge between one technology that the company provides and the developer community out there. And the mission is to help developers be successful. Yeah, that's always the mission. Um, yes. I, I want to just say how much I agree and how, how I like the way you put it, you know, the in terms of the bridge, you know, linking those two mm-hmm. different, let's say, uh, islands uh, together and i want to mention two things from our past episodes the one is a recent one we had with uh, jeff chanquist from uh, microsoft who said that we do tend to spend much time trying to define what developer relations is uh, instead of actually helping developers which is one thing you know because you said how interchangeably the role the titles are used uh, to define a role which uh Brings me to point number two, which was uh, our first ever episode with Mary Thengval, where she said that to developers, I represent the company and to the company, I represent the developers. So it's, again, uh, matches what you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, which is building this bridge uh, between the two to actually help both. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So you've been in uh, your developer advocate role since uh, 2015, right? Uh, my first developer advocate role was, yes, back in 2015. Afterwards, I also worked in different things. For example, in my last uh, company, I was working as a full-stack developer. But after all the experiences I got and the journey I went through all these years, um, I went back to developer relations because I think that's the most fulfilling uh, for me and what fits me the best. Yeah, it looks like being a developer advocate won your heart. So what do you love most? about being a developer advocate? There are a lot of things that I love um, about being a developer advocate, but I think what I love the most and what keeps me motivated is the fact that a developer advocate uh, wears different hats. 
That means that as developer advocates, we're involved in many different tasks and also we have to uh, adapt quickly to any changes. For example, um, today I worked on building one of our SDKs, then I wrote a blog article, uh, tomorrow maybe I'm going to, talk with a, to work with a demo application. And I really love this diversity that the developer advocacy provides. So I think this is um, what I love the most about being a developer advocate. Is it only the different, you know, uh, subtasks, or uh, that they also, you know, have all, all, are all these different ways uh, to actually help developers? Uh, for me, I see it not as tasks, but exactly as different ways to help developers, uh, because you explore a lot of new different things, and also as developer advocate, you have the chance to try new things uh, and come up with new ideas uh, of how to to help developers. And uh, this is the good part. Now, how about the, uh, air quotes here, uh, difficult part? So what has been your biggest challenge in developer advocacy? For me, I would say um, the biggest challenge uh, that I faced is that as a developer advocate, you need to know the product from many different aspects and different angles. For example, you need to know the, for example, in our case, we provide, at Amadeus for Developers, we provide um, APIs related to travel. So I need to know very well uh, the APIs from the technical point of view, the functional point of view. I, I need to know the features, uh, business aspects, constraints, uh, limitations we might have, and also have a very good understanding of the travel industry. And our work as developer advocates is also very transversal. So I work very closely with people from uh, marketing, people from strategy, people from product. So I think it's very challenging because you constantly have to learn a lot of things. Uh, first of all, about the product itself uh, from different perspectives and also of how you can uh, commun communicate and collaborate uh, properly uh, with colleagues who work in different fields, let's say. So I think this is the most one one of the biggest challenges. For me, maybe it was I think it's one big challenge. But on the other hand, this challenge it's what really keeps me motivated because I constantly learn uh, new things and I develop uh, more skills. Now you you raised a, a point there, which brings me you know to one of my kind of favorite questions. Uh, there is being ongoing discussions of where developer advocates should sit inside the company. Uh, mm -hmm. You mentioned product, you mentioned uh, marketing too. Do you think that uh, developer advocates are kind of a hybrid role touching upon all these different departments or should it sit in a specific one? Or if you don't have uh, an immediate answer at least to that, where does it sit in Amadeus? Uh, okay, I, I believe that for each company and each uh, product, um, it can be different. Uh, so that's why I think it's not only one answer for what works better. But for instance, at Amadeus for Developers, uh, apart from my developer relations colleagues, I also uh, belong in the same team uh, with people who work in a product, a marketing, a strategy and portal. So we are all one team. We all work together and this um, makes us extremely efficient and we work very good. For example, whenever we have one specific feedback that is related to portal, the product manager of the portal is actually in our team. So it's very easy to pass smoothly the feedback coming from them. 
So this is how uh, at Amadeus our team our team uh, is organized. Yeah, and I think this kind of hybrid teams work also make developer advocates role much easier because you're in direct contact with exactly several different departments to address uh, different needs too. Exactly. Yes. At least for us, this works very well. Uh, it makes us more agile, more efficient, and at the end, I think we 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 are all let's say in the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely great. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, always learning uh, a couple of times now. So what do you think is the most important trait or uh, a characteristic someone in developer advocacy should have? I would say the most important trait is empathy. Maybe someone is very good at public speaking or maybe someone is very good at building developer tools or uh, writing technical content. But If you don't have empathy, this is not the right role for you, I believe. Because at the end of the day, our role is to understand developers um, and to get in their shoes. That's why I think empathy uh, is the most important one and also something that cannot be taught easily because uh, you can teach someone how to, to be a good public speaker, for example, or how to code. But maybe having empathy is something that is not so easy or something that takes more time and effort uh, to learn. Yeah, it does. And uh, it definitely, you know, you can see it in different people, whether they're born with a high mm-hmm. empathy, you know, uh, or they're trying to work on it. So, yes, yes since the, as you said before, the main you know, role here is to help developers solve the problems. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to see the problems from their perspective. Exactly. And it's not it's not easy. I believe I'm a person with empathy, but sometimes maybe I feel I don't have uh, as much patience as, as I should. So I'm working with myself. I'm working on it. But um, I think this is something very, very important to when someone has a problem to really understand the problem and to accept that there is a problem and that you want to help them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, you, we said before, you know, in a part of a joke that uh, no kids want to be developer advocates, uh, mainly because developer advocacy and relations are uh, quite new terms and uh, yes. quite new you know, jobs for one to have. So we see more people, you know, trying to get uh, into developer relations. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who is new to that role, who's just starting? Uh, You refer to someone who is already working in a company or maybe someone who wants to be a developer advocate and explores this this world? Uh, Could be both. Uh, You know, this could be from a perspective because we see... um, Several, for example, people coming from so- software developers and uh, becoming advocates afterwards, or w- we've seen people in developer relations come, for example, from a marketing background. Mm-hmm. So for someone who is just undertaking this role. Okay. So um, I think, first of all, it's very important to never stop learning and see also what is happening on the outside world. So there are so many great developer advocates out there, and I think there is so much knowledge that we can take uh, from them. And also there are top companies that they have really good practices in developer relations. 
So I believe um, someone who is new to the role, but also someone who is not, I think it's something we also do. But especially for someone who starts, I think it's very important to uh, get inspiration and learn things. And that not only helps you become a better professional, but on the other hand, you can bring a lot of valuable knowledge uh, in your team. So this is one thing that I believe is important. And another thing that I find uh, useful is to not be afraid to try new things and raise your opinion. For example, if you work in a company that uh, maybe they publish a lot of articles and you see that, okay, we can also publish some video tutorials, let's say, and you want to try some new types of content. Um, if your company is giving you flexibility and space to do this, um, just go for it and try, because uh, even if the result is not the best, that's the only way that you are going to learn, by trying things. Um, I also think it's important to uh, give back to the community. Uh, as much as you can. So uh, make open source projects, write blog articles. Uh, if you read something that is interesting, uh, like about a new technology, make sure that you share it with the developer community because this is in the end something that brings a lot of value to the developers uh, who use your product or even let's say people who are interested um, in your technology. So I think it's very important to give back to, to the community. Another thing, so I think someone who works in developer advocacy at some point is going to do uh, public speaking. Uh, maybe some developer advocates might do less public speaking, some other developer advocates might do uh, more. But regardless, I think it's very important, first of all, to do a public speaking course and apart from that, to practice a lot. So every time that you have the opportunity to go to a small meetup or internal in your company to do a presentation, I think it's a great opportunity to um, help with public speaking. I, I think practicing and being open to get feedback uh, from the people that are with you is very important. So I think someone who is new in developer advocacy should focus a lot on improving public speaking because even less or more is going to get up on the stage. Yeah. So this is advice that I would give to, to someone who is new in developer advocate role. So, wow, these are all super helpful. And just to summarize, uh, your top tips are always learn, stay mm -hmm. curious, experiment, give back to the community and try public speaking as much as you can. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. These are all... Uh, for me, yeah. it's five tips, five stars, uh, words to work by if you're new to developer advocacy. So thank you very much for this. Yes. I could give many more tips, uh, <laughs> but it would be a long list. And something that I, I would also like to mention now is that maybe some of these things seem kind of uh, easy to do or obvious, but uh, when you're busy and you have a lot of work to do, it's not that trivial. For example, if you want to uh, learn new things and make sure that maybe you read several articles or you see what other top companies are doing, make sure that you block some time um, during the week because uh, if you're very busy, you will forget doing that. And I think uh, some, we need to be consistent uh, and from my personal experience, I've seen that uh, it's, uh, if you commit to that and you try to learn new things, it can help you a lot uh, 
as professional and also to grow and help your company. That's perfect. The blocking time for personal yes, development yeah. is one sure way that uh, you'll find the time because it's true. When you're too busy, uh, you might say, okay, I'll read this later. And uh, yeah, you never keep, do it. <laughs> keeps piling up uh, thousands of tabs <laughs> on your uh, browser and you end up you know, just closing them at some yes. point and miss the whole part. Which could exactly. be very useful. Yes, I think all of us have been through this. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yes. Earlier, we mentioned events, you know, as something we miss. And one of the key uh, facts that we miss about these events is that you get the chance, you know, to get direct one one engagement with people, you know, see them up close and uh, talk to them. Now, how can you connect and engage with developers with, uh, let's say, events out of the equation? We connect and engage with developers through different types of events and different channels. Um, for example, one of the things that we do is we, we go to hackathons and we even organize our own hackathons. Uh, hackathons for us are great events because actually we get in touch with hundreds of developers who are going to, first of all to find out about our technology and also build something cool using our APIs um, and also it's a great way to gain feedback because in a hackathon uh, there are different types of profiles like junior developers um, data scientists and even designers who are going to work for a project uh, in this hackathon. So you gain a lot of uh, invaluable feedback from hackathons. And also uh, something that is very interesting is that um, there is innovation coming out from hackathons because you see really cool solutions from the attendees. And this is something that we believe is very interesting. Um, apart from hackathons, we also do go to different conferences and meetups. Uh, in this type of events, um, again, we get in contact, contact with uh, many people, we do networking, uh, we gain feedback, we learn a lot of things. Uh, and also something that we love to do is to, whenever we have the chance to give a talk, is to share our knowledge. Uh, we're a very transparent uh, team uh, as developer relations team, and we're always very happy and excited uh, to share the knowledge uh, that we have gained through all these years. And also something that is uh, newer to us. So uh, we have been in contact with developers in many different uh, places. So apart from the events that I mentioned, we, we talk with developers on uh, emails, Stack Overflow, GitHub, social media. And we realized that we didn't have one single place for all of the users who wanted to chat with us and be in contact with us. That's why about a year ago, um, we built an online developer community uh, to act as a single place for all, uh, for all, all our users. So what we do there is um, we provide support, networking, uh, activities in order to make it more animating. Um, and we try to build uh, strong relationships. It, for us, it's a good way to be close to our community, to know how they feel with our API, what is happening, and to help them as much as we can. And this is a, an open community. It's not only for actually developers that actually use our API, 
But for anyone who is interested to know more about Amadeus for Developers, this channel is open for, for anyone to join. So these are the main things um, I would say uh, that we do in order to connect and engage with the developers. Uh, from what I understand, events are uh, an integral part of uh, the way to connect with developers. So uh, this past year, the main channel, let's say, uh, that you use to, to talk to developers is your portal, right? Uh, so um, in our portal, developers can get in touch with us um, through, uh, let's say, the email that we have, but we're also open. We also have this online community on Discord and we're very active on GitHub, uh, Stack Overflow and social media. We know developers live in many different online places. That's why we also want to be active and responsive wherever they mm -hmm. want to get in touch. So we want to make it easy for them uh, to get in touch with us. For example, we take Stack Overflow on a daily basis because we ourselves suggest them. If you have a technical issue, uh, feel free to either send an email to us or post it on Stack Overflow. So we make sure that on a daily basis, for example, we check Stack Overflow or we have a lot of open source projects. Uh, so we also check uh, GitHub for any issues or contributions that we might receive, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so do you need an advocacy team if you have an API and why? Yes, <laughs> I like short, this question. Short answer. Yeah. <laughs> this is a short answer, but uh, yes, there is also a, a longer one that I'm going to share now. So uh, actually a few weeks ago, I checked um, on programmable web and I saw that there uh, listed more than 24,000 public APIs. And uh, actually, it, this shows um, that there are thousands of APIs out there and there is a lot of competition. If you think, for example, of uh, map-related APIs, on top of your head, for sure, you're going to have two, three, four uh, different providers. Uh, and this is a very competitive environment. Providing a quality API is important, but I think it's the minimum uh, that we can offer to, to our users. Developers nowadays have many more expectations, especially in this competitive environment. Uh, they have expectations um, such as developer tools, tutorials and guides, and even a developer community around the products that they use. So we believe that only providing a quality API is not enough. Uh, we believe that actually the developer relations team is a team that can work and uh, focus a lot on all the developer expectations and all the developer needs in order, first of all, to, to help our company um, be successful. And our main goal also that I mentioned earlier is to help developers because just providing a, a good quality API is not enough. If you want them to get started easily, uh, if you want them to be efficient, and if also you want them, you want to help them be successful. So uh, that's the, the answer uh, why actually we need a developer advocacy team. Yeah, that's definitely true. You know, offering a solid product, uh is how, the word I'm going to use. I'm going to use solid, which means that this is something that you can uh, uh, really trust and offer a quality uh, product yeah. for others to use. Um, 
but is that enough? And uh, I'll explain what what my question is. Uh, you know, we we've seen quality products where developers might have a really bad experience when they try, you know, engaging with them and using mm-hmm. it. So um, developers' experience, uh, I think it's key, especially, you know, when it comes to whether developers will adopt or uh, reject a solution. So uh, how can you improve developers' experience with uh, your, whether it's an API, your product, or uh, the service you're offering? Um, so there are a lot of things that we do uh, as developer relations team in order to improve actually the developer experience. So one of the things that we do is we offer SDKs. So SDKs are uh, developer libraries um, that we build in different technologies uh, that provide documentation and the right tools to help actually our users integrate uh, our APIs in their applications. Uh, it's something that actually we have been doing from the beginning of our API program because we want to reduce the technical complexity that developers have. So developers who use our SDKs uh, can access very easily and quickly our APIs in their own programming language. Uh, we also offer a very easy authorization process. Um, a lot of times we've received uh, support questions with people who were struggling with uh, the authorization process. But the moment they started using our SDK, this was extremely simple because developers uh, don't need to focus on the low-level implementation of details that they have to go through if they don't use the SDK. Uh, we also offer uh, error handling because we know that debugging can be really time-consuming. And uh, we also offer code examples. So for every SDK that we have developed, Uh, in different programming languages. We also have code examples from the simplest API call to to the most complex one, where developers can just copy and paste this code in their application. And also our um, SDKs uh, are open source and they can be found uh, on GitHub. Another thing that we do about um, developer experience is we focus a lot on documentation and the developer content. So first of all, uh, we always try to have a very clear and consistent documentation. And this can be challenging. So especially in big companies that the APIs uh, come from different development teams, it's very probable that there might be some inconsistencies. For example, uh, the way a parameter is described, let's say or uh, maybe someone who is very um, who knows a lot about the travel industry might be not doesn't explain something very good but maybe a developer who is new in travel maybe doesn't have all this information so it's very important to have a clear and consistent um, documentation across all our apis but this is not enough we know our users have a wide a variety of experience and also industry knowledge that i mentioned uh, earlier That's why for us, we think it's very valuable to provide uh, different tutorials and guides. So technical tutorials, uh, functional tutorials, uh, we write articles about travel industry. And even for more uh, complex cases, we also make some videos to show them some processes uh, step by step. Another thing that we also do to improve developer experience is we build uh, demo applications. Uh, One of the main reasons that we do this is um, we want to inspire our users because uh, especially when it comes to uh, startups, maybe they have some ideas, but maybe with uh, more inspiration, we can help them build something um, 
that can bring a more value for them. So we build demo applications to show them what type of things they can build using our technology. And we build these demo applications uh, in different technologies. Sometimes, for example, we use Python Django. Uh, some other time we use Node. Some other times we use um, mobile uh, technologies, etc. And what is very interesting for us is that all the demo applications we build are open source. So developers can actually take these applications that we have built and build actually their own solutions on top of them. And we believe this is interesting because it reduces a lot the onboarding process because the developers have like somewhere to start. Um, and also this is super nice uh, to make them understand better what you offer because instead of showing a, a long list of, let's say, an, an, a long API catalog of APIs that you offer, it's much more interactive to just show them some demo apps um, that we've built with our technology. And lastly, um, as developer advocates, uh, we're very involved in customer support because we have knowledge for the industry and the API. Um, and this is not usually the nature of the request that we receive from customer support. So we're heavily involved in customer support. We check the cases that we receive on emails. As I said uh, before, we are active on Stack Overflow, on GitHub, uh, etc. So these are the main things uh, and the main areas that we focus uh, in order to improve developer experience. I think the best part about uh, everything you just mentioned is how the data agree with you, uh, which is uh, the graph <laughs> you did, we discussed earlier about yes. you know from uh, uh, from several X, and uh, it seems like you're addressing exactly what developers are asking for. Uh, so this is great. Mm -hmm. That's why I was super excited <laughs> when I found <laughs> this graph. I was like, okay, this shows that we follow the the right path. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. this is a validation for both parties here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, th these are uh, all great what you just mentioned. And I think this can be really helpful, you know, both on the onboarding, on uh, problem solving, and uh, also, you know, with the demo, demo apps, it can also offer, you know, many different ideas, uh, other things Thanks. you can do. Yes, and something that I would like to mention on that is that through all for the, the demo applications that we build, we really see how developers feel. Uh, so because exactly the moment that we get in their shoes and we try to build something from scratch. So because maybe sometimes they tell us they struggle with something, but maybe we don't realize until we uh, face it ourselves. So also these demo applications that we build uh, lets us understand much better the product that we offer and how we can improve it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah hands-on is the best way to learn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yes. it's always the best way. Yes. And, you know, it uh, it touches upon so many things that we have discussed, you know. Yes. Uh, and I think hands-on is uh, one way to help you build empathy if it's not so nat natural, you know, in you. Yes, I totally agree with you. Yes. Because at that moment, you really feel how they feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex exactly that. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, you mentioned it before, uh, and uh, we had discussed it, you know, earlier prior to the interview. Uh, is how important is having a smooth feedback process? In how important is this for, uh, you know, creating an even better experience? Um, 
feedback uh, is very important because I think it's the way to keep us uh, fully aligned with what our users want. And through a smooth feedback process, we make sure that the product roadmap that we define uh, can be attractive for them. And for example, when we released our SDKs, the SDKs that we offered uh, until recently were more focused on web technology. So we had SDKs on Java, Python, Node, Ruby. Um, maybe I'm forgetting something right now, but we didn't have SDKs for um, mobile technologies. And our users were asking a lot about it, like in hackathons, in emails, they were asking us uh, that they want to have SDKs for, for mobile. So if we didn't have this feedback, first of all, maybe we wouldn't even realize ourselves because uh, personally, as developer, uh, I mostly work with Python and Java. So maybe I wouldn't think that, okay, let's make a mobile SDK. So it, it was really important to make sure that we hear the feedback of our users and we saw something coming so many times from them. That's why we also passed it internally and we prioritized. And the results are good because then you see that the developers start using what you offer to them. Uh, they make contributions whenever they have a new idea uh, of things uh, that they want to improve, they're going to raise it to us, etc. That's why uh, a smooth feedback process can be very, very interesting because at the end of the day, you want to provide to your users something that is interesting for them, not interesting <laughs> for us, something that they're going to use and they're, that they're going to like. And it definitely helps when you, you know, submit something and you're being heard. Uh, helps yes. a lot, you know, engaging and uh, committing to, mm -hmm. to what you've already been working on. Yes. And also regarding that, we do... Uh, track feedback uh, of everything uh, that is coming from the users. And something from our experience is very interesting is every time we implement something, okay, if it's something that affects all our users, we can write a blog article about that. But if it's something that maybe one user asked, for example, and we implement it, I think it's very engaging to get back to this user and say, uh, hi, thanks for your feedback. We just implemented this, have a look at it. Because this shows that you really care uh, for the voice of the users. Yeah, yeah, true. 100% agree there. Yeah, and it's not so hard to do it. It's pretty easy. So, yeah, it's just to send an email. Or... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's really easy to implement. And, um, you know, it all, it all has to do, I think, with a business strategy then onwards. You know, <laughs> where do you want to go? Do you want to offer exactly what developers are asking or do you want to go your own way? <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> and now, although it might seem obvious, you know, not everyone does it. But yeah, still. Exactly. Uh, Anna, it's been great uh, having you today. And, um, you know, I'm really thankful that we got in touch, you know, following the Future Developer Summit and we arranged this uh, this interview together. I think you you offered some great insights and tips uh, on the life of the and the work of a developer advocate. Uh, if someone of our listener from our listeners wants to hear more from you, how can they reach you? First of all, thank you, Stathi, for for today, and I, I really enjoyed uh, our discussion. Now, if someone wants to reach out uh, to me, they can get in touch with me on Twitter or LinkedIn just by using my name. I think it's pretty easy to to find me. <laughs> Okay, the name will be on the title so uh, yes. of the episode, so you should should be able to find. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, to close on a positive note, uh, what's one th good thing that happened in 2020? 
one uh, good thing for me that happened this year is although I miss a lot going to the office uh, and seeing my colleagues and, and work from there, on the other hand, now that I'm working from home since last year, I have the chance to to spend time at home with my dog because in the past I was always feeling bad that he was alone at home the whole day waiting for me to come back <laughs> and uh, letting him alone. But now we are uh, every day together and I'm not so worried about him. <laughs> so <laughs> this is one good thing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure he's super happy and uh, like the best uh, case scenario for him. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. I'm sure he wants to this to stay forever. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that's definitely one mm -hmm. good thing, you know. It's uh, yes, it's, it makes me super happy to hear mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Anna. Thank you. Thank and, you. And uh, thank you for our listeners for listening to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, the podcast devoted to developer marketing and relations. You can listen to all episodes, find free resources, including our latest State of the Developer Nation uh, report, which is free under slash data co. Uh, and free resources and also the latest news at devrelex.com and you can also subscribe to our bite-sized bi-weekly digest or follow us on twitter at slash data hq thank you very much <laughs>